Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Thursday, October 26, 2023. Mark Daly and Mark Hamilton back together at last after almost a month of work trips and other trips and tons of other stuff and just all like everything you could think of. You conspired to keep us apart for the last, you know, like last calendar month, Hammy. But Number one, it's great to see you again. How's it going, my friend? It's going well. It's going well. I I, I don't know why I'm very understated. I voice. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me let me share this with our listeners. So you and I were talking a little bit before the show started, and you're like, "Hey, how's uh, how's how's things going?" Because we're getting ready for the Las Vegas Grand Prix watch party, which is going to be at at my place in a couple of weeks. And, you know, it, it started out with, Hey, this is a really good excuse to buy a new TV, a bigger TV. And we'll get that in time for the watch party. And then it became, well, you know what? I want to get rid of this wall cladding and I want to get rid of this cabinet. And the scope creep has gone crazy, dude. My entire house is wrapped in plastic. There's furniture everywhere. And now I'm like looking at the clock and we've got like 22 days and I've got this mega renovation on my hands. I don't know how we're going to get it done, but like I was saying, the good news is I have a deadline, which is basically the morning of the day of the Grand Prix. So I'm going to have to get it done, but little stressed out because my house is in disarray, which obviously does not bode well for the relationship with my wife in an ongoing capacity. <laughs> but dude, other than that, I'm good. It's been a while. You're right. I think I, I ran off a couple while you were gone. You ran off a couple while I was gone. And I'm looking at the calendar, man. I think it's October 26th as we record this. And the last time we sat down together was September 28th. It's been a while, dude. The longest wow. gap we've ever gone without recording together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been doing this together now. What this is the third season since the end of 2020, and like that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Like th this past month for 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 both of us has been just absolutely one crazy thing after another. And then as as I was complaining about uh, earlier before we started that, on top of all of this our washing machine broke and I've had to deal with that and sourcing parts and stuff. So I I'm, I'm so ready to talk about formula one because I just, uh, I'm tired of dealing with all the, 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 the other stuff. So, before we do that, first of all, let's give a shout out to uh, the Race Weekend magazine. Uh, if you want to go and get, uh, go check them out and uh, sign up for a subscription, you can enter in our promo code ScuderiaPod at checkout to save 10%. And that's the raceweekend.com, R A C E W K N D.com. Also, check out racingexclusives.com. They have given us the beautiful one half scale Max for Stapp and Helmet, autographed nonetheless with a certificate of authenticity. Which we're going to be giving away literally in a couple of weeks from now because we're we're like almost a couple of days 
into November. Well, we'll be in November in a couple of days. That means last month of the season, and we'll be giving away that uh, that that prize very very quick. We'll get to to fantasy in a moment. Hammy, do you want to give everybody a quick update on the watch party, other than the disastrous Renault uh, that seems? I should we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get there. So obviously, it's coming fast. It's November eighteenth, the Saturday. I'm actually going to be in Portland the day before, so I'm going to have to race back that morning to get here. But that shouldn't be a problem. Again, if you're interested, let us know. I know a bunch of people have. The only ask that we have is you make a $30 donation to the Canadian Mental Health Association, which is obviously something that obviously you and I are very, very passionate about. So if Mm -hmm. you're interested in coming, let us know. We'll have a nice little group. It'll be catered. There'll be lots of food. There'll be lots to drink, and we'll have some fun. And again, the race starts at 10 p.m. Pacific time, so doors open anytime after 7. Daly and I will be there after 7. So if you want to come and hang out and jam and just have some fun and talk F1 um, and eat some great food, then then please do so. That's that's the update there, my friend. Sounds like a blast. Can I come? Oh, wait, you already said that I'm invited. So Yeah, <laughs> and I think go. I get to meet your wife. I finally get to meet your wife too, which I, I'm super excited about. Yeah, it should be really good. I'm really looking forward to it, having fun, socializing, chilling out, and hopefully the race delivers. Well, even if it doesn't, I mean, it's going to be in Vegas. It's going to be fun to watch uh, regardless. And, exactly. you know, talking about fun, you know, we're, 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 we're always committed to new ideas in this less than stimulating season at times. So this week and this week only, in our ongoing commitment to shaking things up and make this as exciting as possible in our championship update, I'm going to do the constructor stand first rather than driver's championship because that's just kind of how low the bar is at the moment so no no no, no. <laughs> better yet let's start with the fantasy update oh oh a twist really upon a twist up. i love it okay you do and fantasy because i, I teased it about i actually it. have it up because i actually have it ready to go and it's been a while so quick update again this baby is wide open wide open anyone can win this except for probably you and i number one right now and he's had this spot for a couple of weeks michael crunchy 16 followed by zanetta team three followed by axis simon followed by matt noob followed by vince des team two relampago marquinhos followed by bengals bubs followed by aaron kiernelinen oh i gotta get that right at some point followed by matt noob team two followed by usap Two, followed by Joel's one, Yellow Racing, the bad guy, bye bye. Also, last place and rounding out the top 15, Matt Noob, team number one. So, Micro Cronje, oh, 16. On. You're How many of Matt Noob's teams spot. are in the, in, in the top 15? Because, like, team two was in there the other week. And then oh, I know that Matt is three. Three, Matt yeah. Noob, all three teams one, two, in the and top three. 15. Yeah. There you go. I, I was just wondering because I know two and three were in there when I did the fantasy update last week, but I did notice uh, Matt Noob team one. So I, I think I'm going to have to sit down and, and tap some wisdom there because, uh, yeah, no comment on how my team is doing. But but Matt is replicating something. Uh, you know, there's there's some genius at work there if you can get three into the top 15 like that. So good, good, good. So for by Matt. the way, just while we're on that, Matt Noob team three. So the spot team that's in the number three spot, his team, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, Zhu, Red Bull Racing, and McLaren. And for Solid. reference, Michael Cronje, 16, who's currently leading, has Max Verstappen, Oscar Piastri, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda, Carlos Sainz, McLaren, and Red Bull. Solid. Solid. 
Yeah, well, no comment on my team, like I say. So to distract away from any further discussion on that, we'll go into the Constructors' Championship because uh, Red Bull, leading the way, obviously, they've won the Constructors' Championship. Uh, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez combined have scored 706 points this season. Mercedes with those Lewis Hamilton and George Russell are second in the Constructors with 344. The pairing of uh, Leclerc and Sainz of Ferrari have scored 322 points. Then we have McLaren with Piastri and Norris, 242 points. And then sadly, in fifth place, Aston Martin, Lance Stroll and Fernando Alonso, 236 points. Mark, it has actually happened. Not only did Aston go from second to third, but from third to fourth and from fourth to fifth. Mind you, they're only six points behind McLaren. That if I'm putting money on anyone, and I would never do that because I'm the worst gambler in the history of the world, but I would be putting money, even, even I know it's a safe bet to put money on on McLaren rather than Aston Martin at this point in the season. But uh, that's disappointing because I, I think everybody knows by now that, that you and I have been very, very excited and we've thrown in our lot with the, with Aston Martin the last couple of years. So you know, what started out to be a really good season for them has, uh, has kind of faded as time's gone on anyways over to the constructors champion sorry drivers championship already did constructors max Verstappen 466 points obviously max is a world champion again this year sergio perez uh, 240 lewis hamilton is third with 201 fernando alonso is fourth with 183 and then finally carlos Sainz 171 actually lando is only 12 points behind uh, carlos in the, the 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 drivers championship he has 159 points that's a doable closable gap with what four races left in this next month so i would uh, absolutely keep uh, keep an eye on that uh, that one even though it's for for fifth place in the drivers uh, lando mclaren and oscar piastri have just been flying over the last uh, number of weeks and months ever since uh, Aust- Aust- i was gonna say australia austria <laughs> at the beginning of july okay uh two more things these are both in uh, your wheelhouse first of all twitter update you want to give the folks a twitter update yeah, I, I, I kind of do. So I think you and I had a, a pretty good heart to heart recently about both of our, our personal experiences with Twitter. And, you know, neither of us are really good at social media. And I think if we had an intern, the first thing we would task that person with is, hey, you know what, fix our social media presence. But the one place that we had been reasonably active was Twitter. And it was really hmm. fun. And we met tons of people. And doing Twitter spaces was really great for a couple of years. But I, I think for for purely personal reasons, I've become very uncomfortable with the platform. And I think some of the things that the algorithm was throwing at me, and I think whereas in past years, it was a really great place to engage with people, I find now I'm more or less kind of swatting off political content that is not at all in my wheelhouse and just being buried and bought. So I think at this point, Mm -hmm. the account's still active. If you want to slide into our DMs, we'll certainly respond. But I think we're certainly looking for a new social media outlet. And it's probably going to be threads. We just both need some time to be able to sit down and kind of get that set up and get comfortable with the platform. But I'll, I'll be honest, like personally speaking, and this is not a political statement, I promise you, but it's just not what it was a year ago and certainly not what it was two years ago. And I found myself getting a little bit kind of depressed and frustrated on the platform. And it just wasn't good for my mental health. And I think it was time to kind of step away and just try to find a different outlet to connect with the the community. So that that's a quick Twitter update, Mark. I don't know if you have anything to add just on Twitter. 
No, not really. I, mean, I think you covered it all there, Hammy. I mean, we, we talked about it at length a couple of weeks ago uh, before you and I went away for respective trips and other obligations. And, you know, I, I don't think that uh, either of us have really kind of like changed our minds on that. So if anything, I feel I feel comfortable where we've uh, landed at. So the same thing. I'm, I'm still using my personal Twitter. I just don't check it very often now. You know, I tend to, uh, you know, do other things with my time rather than literally doom scrolling through through Twitter or X or whatever it is uh, nowadays. So totally. And and yeah. that's what I would do in the past. It's a lot of doom scrolling, but I find the stuff that's being thrown into my algorithm isn't even remotely relevant to my wants and desires and the type of content I interface with. And then there's just so much bot. Anyways, We'll move on. The next topic is a more exciting one, and it's an exciting one if you are a manga fan, if you're an anime fan. But back in 2005, they released a live live action adaptation of Initial D, uh, which of course is based on a very popular Japanese manga and an anime series about a young drifter that drives around the mountains of Japan in his... Uh, reasonably subtle uh, Toyota AE86. Well, the good news is there is another live action remake coming of Initial D and it's going to be directed by no other uh, than uh, Sung Sung Kong. I, I always get his name wrong, but Sung Kong, um, who of course plays Han in Better Luck Tomorrow and a whole bunch of the Fast and Furious movies. And I think he's a crowd favorite. Han is just one of the most likable characters in the entire Fast and Furious franchise. So I'm a huge, huge fan of Initial D. I don't really understand the whole well, I certainly understand the context, but I haven't been super loyal to the storylines throughout the decades, but I did thoroughly enjoy the 2005 movie. And the fact that uh, Sung Kang is working on a live action remake is something I'm super excited about. So if you are a car fan, definitely something worth keeping your eyes out for. And if you can access the 2005 version, uh, it holds up very well and it's a total blast to watch. Awesome. Look forward to, to that one dropping. And now as we get into the the, the next bit here, this is a cool one. Uh, this is another one of these graphics. Where did this one come from, Mark? Where did you dig this one up? Oh, the internet. The end. <laughs> really? No. Wow. The internet. Tell me more. What is this internet of which you speak? So let me tell you this. You have to have a computer okay. and you have to have an internet connection. Now I have okay. one. I'm not yep. so sure about you because your internet seems to be somewhat problematic. By <laughs> Somewhat. This was, this, so the, the graph that you're going to speak to actually came from F1.com. So we don't need to cool. credit Motorsport or a, or a Reddit user. But yeah, this is straight from F1. Well, it's really cool because it, this looks like it's a wheel. It looks like a, basically a bicycle wheel. It looks like it got a lot of different spokes on it. So Max Verstappen this past weekend in the USA at Coda reaches that milestone record of 50 race wins, which puts him in some very elite company, including... Uh, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Ayrton Senna, etc. I mean, just, uh, you know, Michael Schumacher, uh, just an uh, impressive company to be keeping. But it's steep because if you when you go around the wheel, it shows exactly where Max uh, won his first race, you know, 2016 back at, uh, at Spain. And each one of these spokes is like a branch. So if uh, Max had won multiple times at the same circuit, you have the, the main spoke and then it kind of like branches off to the other years. So if you look at uh, at Austria, for example, Max has now won, what, five times in Austria, three times in the Netherlands. So it's pretty cool to see exactly when and how and where Max's uh, 50 Grand Prix wins came from in, in Formula One. And 
you know, Hammy, I, I just can't get my mind around the fact that Max is now a 50 race winner. It's just like he seems like that young kid that only won his first race in Spain after Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg collided at turn three back in 2016. It's just I, I just cannot get my mind around how quickly that amount of time has elapsed, what Max has done since that first uh, race victory, and just a, an, an incredible story in general. Anything you want to add to that one, Hammy? Or? No, only the, that yeah. I, I had the same sentiment, man. And I've been watching the clock tick upwards, like 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. But then I was still surprised when he scored his 50th Grand Prix. And, and I like the frame of reference here that I still remember watching that 2016 Grand Prix like it was yesterday. And and it's just maybe it ages me or ages the sport, but it's just remarkable <laughs> that he was able to achieve 50 Grand Prix wins so quickly. And that said, the vast majority of those man have come since 2021. Right. I mean, it, it is absolutely amazing just how quickly, you know, that 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 time has flown and and everything that Max has done. It's uh, it, it's pretty impressive. I mean, you kind of look at uh, some of the big names in the sport and look at you know look, look at what Lewis has done and when he had uh, you know that that great car at Mercedes and we won his first championship uh, with McLaren and it, I, I just can't help uh, but think. I mean, so Lewis, thirty eight years old now, we've been watching him for a decade and a half, and we look at what Ma- Max is doing. And it just, uh, it, you know, it just kind of blows my mind when, when you get somebody like that to just performing at the level that, that they have, you know, consistently. And that's what made Lewis great all those years and still makes him great is he's able to perform at such a high level. And, and Max proving that, you know, not only is he really, really good, but he's also really, really consistent. Okay, I'm going to get pass over the next one uh, to you. This one uh, seems like a, another one of your ones. So Formula One has a new creative um, director of the, the, the Puma and Formula One uh, partnership. Tell us a little bit more, please. What do you mean your ones? I'm joking. Anytime there's a, <laughs> anytime there's a pop reference kind of or pop culture reference in the show, it's all about me. So uh, new initial Well, D usually movie? because it, it, it like features the names of people I don't know who they are. So I just uh, figure that uh, anything that has, like you say, to do with pop pop culture because like I'm not very informed. <laughs> so. Well, this story is about a rapper named A dollar sign AP Rocky. No, I'm joking. His name is ASAP Rocky. Of course, he's a <laughs> reasonably famous rapper and he's also partner with Rihanna and I think they have they have at least one child together. Maybe they have a second on the way. I'm not totally sure, but he has been named the creator of or sorry, the creative director of Puma's new reforged Formula One partnerships. Of course, Puma, the big athletic apparel company. Uh, this came as a bit of a surprise to me because one, I, I didn't realize his association with Puma was so strong. Although, of course, Rihanna has an extremely, extremely strong relationship with Puma. In fact, they just recently released some ultra limited edition Fenty shoes of which I should have gotten a pair for my wife for Christmas. And I deeply, deeply regret that. But yeah, it's a very cool partnership. Um, reading here from F1.com, uh, Grammy-nominated artist, creative and designer, ASAP Rocky is set to become the new creative director at Puma on a long-term basis with her partnership set to be rooted around the motor sports business. This comes a few months after Puma and F1 signed a long-term agreement that will see them become the exclusive licensee and trackside retailer at all races. By joining forces with ASAP Rocky, it means he will focus his energy and efforts on Puma's partnership with F1. ASAP Rocky's fashion knowledge, or sorry, fashion knowledge, style, and cultural expertise is set to bring a new perspective to F1's growing audience as he will be developing bespoke capsule collections designed by him that will influence the brand's seasonal design directions 
moving forward. Finally, later this year, Rocky will drop an extremely limited Puma F1 collection in this apparel and accessories drop will provide a sneak peek into a series of the capsule collections in 24 surrounding high visibility F1 races. So uh, maybe it just kind of reflects uh, F1's growing prominence in the world of pop culture that it's kind of spread its wings so far. But interesting one that ASAP Rocky is going to kind of uh, enrich his relationship with Puma, but more so that that relationship is going to be really tailored specifically to helping Puma grow its F1 business. Yeah, very cool. Do you have a, a pair of Pumas? Do you uh, rock the Pumas? Like, you have any kicks? So Anything I have like one that? pair that I bought in the fall of 2008, uh, but I haven't bought, I think, any Puma merch since then. Have you? Hmm. Uh, I've, I think I've got um, at least one hat. I, I've got a hat upstairs, which I think it, it's a Red Bull one that a friend brought back from the Australian Grand Prix a couple of years ago. I'm pretty sure that's a Puma. And then um, it was also a t-shirt, a, a Red Bull t-shirt that she got at the same cool. time. Cool. I'm pretty cool. Sure, sure both of those. You know, the Danny Ricardo merch when kind of like Danny was, uh, you know, still, uh, you know, well, his first go around with uh, with uh, with Red Bull. So I'm pretty sure both of those are Pumas. But that that's about it. The, the shoes I, I got... Uh, you know, pretty broad feet. I find them a little tight fitting for me, but I think they're, they're pretty, I think they look pretty cool. Anyways, that's awesome. I was glad to hear that, uh, you know, I, I have sometimes a little bit of a mixed feelings when, when I see like, uh, you know, people, you know, like all the merch deals, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad I'm like, we're not alone anymore. I, I saw somebody just walking uh, yesterday, just walking down the street uh, by my house that was wearing a Lewis Hamilton hat. I'm like, Hey, this is cool. I felt like, you know, we were like part of the same tribe, you know, is a hey, formula one fans unite. Anyways, cool stuff. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next story. Actually, let's take a quick break here. We'll, we'll come back. We'll start diving into some of the, the other, um, you know, for formula one specific stuff. We're going to go back and uh, look at some of the stuff that happened at uh, Coda. You know, the, the track surface there came under intense criticism for the drivers again after the U.S. Grand Prix last week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Andretti. We'll talk about reverse grids and sprint formats and things like that. We'll do that in just a moment. So don't go away. We will be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, here we go. Time to jump into it. Mark Daly, Mark Hamilton here, bringing you all the latest Formula One news. So, Mark, again, the driver's very, very unhappy with the surface at uh, the Circuit of the Americas for last weekend's U.S. Grand Prix. And, uh, well, I mean, they, they've it's, it's interesting, right? Because this is a track that's been on the circuit now for, what, about 10 or 15 years? You know, it's... Um, 
but it's 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 funny when the same things come up again and the drivers obviously not very happy with the way that the you know the the track surface was and you know i don't know sometimes i feel like we have the same the same uh, conversations over and over again because Max Verstappen, he was, uh, you know, Max sometimes not a person of very many words, but kind of gets out what he needs to say in literally like three or four words when he was asked about it. He said, quote, I don't think it's F1 level. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know what what else we could really do to, to add to that. But, you know, there is, uh, th- you know, there's a lot of... Um, things that came from that most notably was the um the the, the planks that were shaved down on both uh lewis hamilton's uh, mercedes and charles leclerc's ferrari and uh, they, they were both uh, disqualified because they had more than a millimeter wear on the plank on the bottom of the uh, of the car and I, I think well i talked about in the, the the race review the other night and i think it was all due to the setup of the car and the fact they only have one free practice section to really set it up and you know they, that's not really a lot of time and um you know and of course it and it was interesting because i pulled up the, the, some of the numbers if you lower the car even by five millimeters which i think is about an eighth of an inch if i do my math uh, correctly not very much but that can actually make the difference of uh, you know several kilometers an hour in in speed which is uh, significant so you can see why they're going to crack down on that um Keep that uh, in mind. Anyways, uh, Max, he had the following to say about the bumpy surface. Quote, it needs to be redone because at the moment it feels like it's better suited to a rally car. Like I'm jumping and bouncing around an F1 car probably don't even see it as much because, of course, we're glued to the ground because of the downforce. But the bumps and jumps that we have in some places, this is way too much. I don't think it's F1 level. I love this track. Honestly, the layout is amazing, but we definitely need the new tarmac and it needs a lot of smoother for the coming years because we're already asking this i think for quite a few years and it's not really been done um and quote anyways lewis had the following to say quote i like some of the bumps because it adds the character of the circuit but there's way too many as drivers of the gpda the grand prix drivers association we are open to discussing with them and helping them like maybe not doing the whole thing so it costs a fortune from the last corner to the start line for example that's smooth but then the rest of it might not be the pit lane is smooth but there's other areas that they uh, for sure could patch up and improve end quote you know there's uh, more comments from lando norris uh, for for example but uh yeah it, it's kind of funny because max is pretty blunt like the whole thing is basically garbage it's not f1 level lewis is always a little bit more diplomatic and he you know not quite as scathing as as max is but you know the one point that max says it is an incredible circuit right because you got start the the, the start line they go up that uh, 30 meter rise into turn one you got that very sharp corner at turn one then you go through that sweeping set of corners the next uh, several corners where you, you know they get to a, a pretty good uh you know speed going Going into it and slowly that speed decreases it's got a little bit of everything it is a great circuit but it's you know why do we have to have these circular conversations i mean lewis is trying to i think pull the like the the organizers and the the, the like the circuits owners to come and have a conversation with the gpda to 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 do something i think obviously max would like to see the whole circuit re re um, uh, re, re resurface but that would be horribly expensive but maybe lewis's uh, you know um 
I'm stumbling for words here. Lewis's approach would be a lot better. You know, pick the parts of the circuit that there are most important and would benefit the most of a resurfacing efforts and, and, and go with those. Your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, I think that the bigger question here is it's not just a matter of resurfacing that based on everything I understand, and I've been to Texas, but I certainly don't know much about uh, kind of the geography of the state. But as I understand it, the main problem here isn't that the track simply needs to be resurfaced because I think they've been doing a little bit of that. They'll shave down the tarmac, re- repave it, kind of smooth out those bumps. I think I think the bigger issue is that the track is built on top of a clay surface, as is kind of much of that that part of the state. And I, I think, unfortunately, what's happening is that with time and with moisture, that, that clay shifts in bunches and spreads apart, and it has a rippling kind of effect on the, on, the, on the tarmac. So it's not simply a matter of resurfacing, but it's actually a fairly significant engineering project because they actually have to be able to dig deep enough to get a pretty solid kind of strong foundation to lay that tarmac on top of it. I think from what I understand, they made a choice early on not to do that when they were building the track that they chose the cheaper option. And unfortunately, they're paying for it now. And I like what you said about this being a circular conversation, because it's been an ongoing conversation since 2015, when that Grand Prix was basically washed out that the track ripples and, and it causes significant problems. And it's an issue for F1. It's a much, much bigger issue for for MotoGP. And the reality is, I, I think MotoGP, Dorna and, and Liberty and the FIA and the FIM, they got to crack down on this because you're right that it is a spectacular surface that is undone by a horrendous, horrendous surface. And I think that needs to be addressed. The other thing that I've kind of hinted at before, but I didn't really understand is that the state of Texas provides a very significant subsidy equivalent to about $20 million a year to the track. I guess the track owners, the the organizers, the race organizers, um, that's designed to offset the sanctioning fee for F1. So the reality is when you draw 450,000 people for a Formula One event over a three-day weekend, you should be rolling in cash. And obviously they're hosting F1, they're hosting MotoGP. Like the money is there. I think these series and the race and the kind of the series organizers just need to apply some degree of, of pressure to get the race organizers, the track owners to address this issue once and for all. And just while we're quickly just on the topic of Coda, a couple of things that I thought I would mention. Um, there was a lot of negativity towards the crowd on the weekend about the perceived booing of of Max Verstappen, and it obviously wasn't a good look. Had a bunch of people reach out that were actually in attendance, and you and I talked about this a little bit, that it suggested that 90% of the booing was actually because there was a political actor that was present that may have been presenting the trophy and that the booing was actually for him. And while there was a little bit of booing for Max, it was coming from the very vocal Sergio Perez contingents, but I thought it was fair to suggest that. The other thing, I'm going to pull this up because one of a one of the very close friends of the show sent me this and I thought it was interesting, but you and I have talked for years about, hey, we might be now priced out of F1, that F1 may have left us behind, but one of our good friends was at the race and he's like, you know what, Mark? He's like, I, I wanted to get my kids some souvenirs because we're at the track and there's these like toy souvenirs that are kind of, kind of, kind of nice. They are, they're about 45 bucks. So they were 45 bucks last year. These like one forty third scale cars. Um, he's like, I assume they'd be more expensive because this is a Formula One Grand Prix, right? So again, 45 bucks this year. He's like, you know what? They'll probably be 90 bucks. You know what? F1 could be a little bit exploitive. They walk up to the till and these 143rd 
toy models of F1 cars, which you could pick up in a retail store for about 30 bucks, were $350 each. So a tenfold markup over what you could get them for in a retail store and a sevenfold markup versus what they were last year. Hats started at $100 US. Um, They had, oh yeah, at the F1 outlet stand, they had an F1 outlet stand, which is presumably where you would get better deals. A low quality Michael Schumacher toy car was $210. Again, the exact same car that you can get at Walmart for 15 bucks. Um, hats, geez, he's like, uh, our kids got a McLaren hat, one bucket hat, and one normal size kids hat, snapback hat, $180 US, so like $240 Canadian. Like The price is crazy exploitive, man. Crazy, crazy exploitive. Uh, I I am completely lost for words. Like that is just absolutely ridiculous. Like how much? Because I saw somebody on Twitter not so, not so long ago. Those one thirty forty third models, they were picking them up at Walmart for something for under ten bucks. Yeah, you know, they're Target, probably it was Target, last, like yeah, ten bucks, ten yeah. bucks. Oh, Target, Target. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know that you know they they might have been last year's cars or something like that. But 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 who cares? I mean, if I walked into Target or Walmart or whatever, they were selling them for ten bucks. I'd probably take several of those things home because they look uh, you know great on a the shelf. They look cool. But I mean, if they're like what three hundred and thirty bucks or something, it's like come on, that well, is dude, absolutely ridiculous. You shop at Costco. I shop at Costco. Yes. I, a couple of months ago, there were these three car packs of F. I think there's a Red Bull one, a Ferrari one, and a Mercedes one that started surfacing at Costco in the U.S. I think they were like twenty five mm. bucks for three cars or something. Apparently, they've landed at Costco in Canada. So the next time you're at oh. Costco, take a peek because it's probably in the toy. Can you know how they kind of stand up that toy aisle during the holiday season? Check it out. So if you're interested, you can get a three pack of the one forty third cars at Costco, and apparently they're really good quality for a really good deal. Yeah, that sounds uh, really good because um, you know that 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 holiday aisle usually goes up at the the end of August. So yeah. you know, I'm sure the you know, it, it's been a couple of weeks since I've actually been in there. What you know, because I've been away, so I'm I'm sure it's going to be full on holiday stuff now. And the, you know, the day after Halloween, you know, all the Halloween stuff that came out like in June or whoever. Now that that'll disappear. It's going to be full on Christmas stuff. But uh, anyways, let let's move on to the next one here. So this is one like you know th- this can't be true, Mark. This this uh, you know I, I'm not sure what to make of this so anyways this is a uh, a story that's on uh, uh where it is as uh, well this is on sports illustrated so this is uh, john uh, jogia and uh, wrote this article called uh, f1 rumor porsche to take over audi formula one entry well i mean they're all part of the larger vw group porsche was flirting with an entry into formula one we were all expecting it to drop at uh, at the austrian grand prix some sort of partnership uh, with uh, with with Red Bull, for example, and then there, there's sort of been some sort of rumors. Maybe they do their own thing, and you know, Audi was doing their own thing, but then they kind of like it all sort of fizzled out, and it's just was basically, yeah, we're not going to do it. But now, according to this, um, you know, the, this story from Zajan, that maybe there's this is coming back to life and they're actually not only going to get to formula one but they're going to take over the audi project to rebrand it as porsche it's just a, it seems so unbelievable but at the same time it seems so on brand for yes, formula yes. one right dude that's you know? so true it's so true and so to kind of reverse this so go back five six seven years ago porsche was flirting with coming into f1 this is pre maybe right on the cusp of when liberty took over and it's widely reported yeah, that they actually had right. yep. a 
a power unit on a test bench, that they were actually building a power unit, and then they scrapped it. And then a couple of years ago, all these rumors started coming to Furiashue, and or for, I can't even say the word today, but uh, all these rumors started percolating through the press that Audi and Porsche wanted to enter the sport. And Porsche was on the cusp of a major deal to buy a significant stake or partnership in Red Bull, and Audi was going to buy Sauber, and Sauber would become an Audi works team, and Red Bull would effectively become a Porsche works team. The Audi deal went through, and we know that they're kind of in this staggered kind of takeover of Sauber, and we know that they're busy in Germany building their power unit. Uh, the Porsche deal obviously fell apart because I think Red Bull didn't want to lose control of the team, and they'd already done a significant amount of work towards building their own power unit. So Porsche was left on the sidelines. Audi, of course, has a works team. Now, the interesting thing is the power unit that Audi is developing is a modern iteration of the power unit that Porsche actually began five or six or seven years ago. So really like the DNA of Audi's team, the DNA of their power unit actually started with Porsche. And now the rumor is that the current head of the Audi group wants out of the F1 project and that the head of the Porsche group wants back into F1 that they never, they, they always wanted to be in. So the rumor is they might swap labels, that there might be a sale from Audi to Porsche of all of Audi's F1 assets and Porsche would take them over. So this kind of flared up a couple of weeks ago and a ton of people were talking about it. There hasn't been a lot of substance since then, but to your point about it being on brand, like it's crazy and shocky as it is, I wouldn't even be remotely surprised if Audi backed out and Porsche took over the, uh, took over the operation. With, with with it then to completely morph into like a uh, Andretti's uh, yeah <laughs> you know, exactly long awaited team you know that you know you know the uh, what's his name oh, Andre Seidel will uh, go away and then all of a sudden it'll be uh, Michael Andretti totally. will be the team totally, principal you totally, know just totally. like you know it it sounds silly and we got to joke about it but at the same time something could uh, like like that is not beyond the realm of uh, possibilities so it, sometimes in Formula One it's almost like the most bizarre scenario that you can come up with sometimes usually gets is pretty close to the truth so but the, but this is a this is an interesting one to talk about right because you know for you know just because the whole you know they, they were sort of in but then they weren't and then Porsche was gone and there was an Audi thing it just it, it's funny how it's you know almost gone completely a full circle and wh why would Audi at this point want to to back out of this uh, project mark like is it just that uh, you know the, the the board or the executive like who is who is it the CEO just isn't it's not their cup of tea it's you know they've spent a significant amount of money to get this far they they've got this very very valuable asset in the, a formula 1 team it just I don't know. It, it seems very, very strange, you know, like that old saying, you know, leaving somebody at the altar. It, it kind of has that sort of feel, right? Because, I mean, they're only two years and a bit away from joining the Formula One team. I mean, that's a very long time, right? Um, you know, before they get on the grid for their first race. Uh, but still, at the same time, two years is not a lot of uh, runway for, for a new Formula One team. So it, it's just, um, I find it rather incredible that they would just uh, decide, you know, potentially that this isn't something that they want to go through with now and that they would sell that entire you know package on to to, to, to Porsche so that pulled that's up, interesting right I pulled up a couple of stories here from May of 2022 so originally okay. the the announcement was official May 2nd 2022 when the Volkswagen CEO announced that both Porsche and Audi would join F1 in 2026 we're sitting here 
18 months later and Porsche's bid has failed and they're now sitting on the sideline with no clear entry point to F1. Audi bought Sauber or is in the process of buying Sauber to start their works team. And now it looks like Audi may potentially exit that that project and hand the keys, no pun intended, pun intended, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> pun intended. hand the keys over to Porsche and, and walk away themselves. It's, it's very, it's just crazy. But to your point, it's just so on brand for this to potentially happen. Yeah. Well, I have to keep an eye on this one and see what uh, sort of percolates to the surface over the coming weeks. I mean, if the, the, this rumor has been out here for several weeks already, it's, it, you know, it hasn't really picked up a lot of steam in that time. So certainly one to, to keep uh, an eye on. Okay. So the next one here is um, another kind of a rumor. This one comes from Toby Gruner and you found this one on uh, Reddit. And the, the, the quote is that uh, the majority of teams push for a rule change to not allow aero development for the 2026 cars before January 2025. Expect limited carryover parts from 2024 to 2025 and very little development during the 2025 season due to budget cap restraints. So if that comes to pass, that will be a very interesting uh, development. What what are we supposed to infer from from this, Mark? Are are they basically putting all their eggs into the 2026 basket if they're talking about like basically no development in 2025? Is that where all the the, the money and the budget is going to go for, you know, in in that cycle will be for the new cars that will hit the track in 2026? That's how I'm reading it. I have, you know... I'll be the first one to the you know to admit that I have a a very long and checkered history of completely missing the point on on most things, but that that you know for what it's worth, that's what I'm kind of pulling out from from this one. So disabuse me if I'm wrong, or you know just just flat out and tell me. Uh, disabuse don't be quiet because you? you I don't it. know that yeah. word. That's a new one for me. There you the, go. The way I read this, especially of F1 and the FIA get behind it, is. It's a mechanism to prevent teams from bailing on the current regulation set, right? That if if they don't implement this rule and I'm almost half the team on the grid, I'm going to throw in the towel on 24 and 25 and just put all of my financial capacity behind development for 2026. And on the other hand, I think the small teams would probably embrace this because given that they've got less physical infrastructure than the bigger teams, the bigger teams could have a very significant head start. So I think part of this is, hey, we just need to make sure that all of the teams are committed to competing in the current rule set for as long as possible. But two, if we are a smaller team, we want to give the bigger teams as little runway as possible to develop that 2026 car. So I think there's a couple pieces at play here. And I think all of it mostly or most of it all ties back to the cost cap and uh, the restrictions that that has on teams developmental capabilities and capacity. But I think there's a couple things here. One, like I said, uh, let's keep everyone competitive and competing. And two, let's not give the bigger teams with more financial, well, less financial, but let's not give the bigger teams with more physical infrastructure, more runway than they need to kind of get a jump start on the smaller teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 makes sense. I'll uh, I'll let you convince me on that uh, the, the, that point. Okay, let's take another uh, break. We'll come back and uh, we we hinted off it at the off the top of the show that we were going to talk about Michael Andretti and uh, and and their project. Uh, we'll do that in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. 
All right, welcome back to the show. Next story, Mark, comes from the Associated Press, and I love the title to this one. The headline on this article is, F1 bosses say Andretti snub isn't personal, even though it feels like and looks like a grudge. So this was written by Jenna Fryer. I, I love that. I think that's a, a great uh, a great uh, title for this uh, article. Uh, there, there's one uh, quoted there from Mohammed Ben Suleim uh, that uh, you know that that Jenna threw in there when he was speaking to the uh, the Associated Press, and uh, Ben Suleim says, "quote It's about the money. It's only about the money. That's what's personal. They don't want to share the money." End quote. So there you go. In, in four very Great small, quote. yes, exactly. I mean, Mohammed bin Salam just puts it right out there, and you know, puts it on the record totally that that's what that it's statement. all about. That's what we, yeah. I mean, that's what we've been talking about for 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 months and months and months. And it, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have any issue with the way that uh, Ben Salam has kind of waded into this whole thing. I know he kind of had to walk back and kind of like get kind of like you know put a bit of distance between himself and, and and the media when a lot of these applications or expressions of interest were being uh sent to to the FIA but i'm glad that he came out and and said that i mean as president of the FIA i think it was uh you know important that 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 somebody with a bit of clout that you know said what the the rest of us already know and <laughs> as you say it's a great quote it's only four very short sentences but they are completely to the point they can't be uh, misinterpreted, but it's you know you go on to this uh, quote here in um, in Jennifer's article, um, and Total Wolf says the following quote: "I don't know him, and him being Michael Andretti. I mean, he's one of the great names of the sport, and I think Andretti as a racing team has been doing well in the United States. There's no grudge. If you haven't really met someone, you can't take a personal grudge." End quote. So it, it's funny, right? Because uh, Michael Andretti says that he actually met Total Wolf because remember last year, Miami, Michael basically went up and down the pit lane with a, a, a pen and a sheet of paper and basically to collect uh, signatures, uh, sort of like a Formula One style petition to get all these, uh, <laughs> you know, team principals, including Total Wolf to, uh, to, 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 to sign off and say, hey, we're, we're supportive of Andretti joining the, the, the grid here. But uh, it Anyways, uh, it was Mario Andretti, his dad, who uh, spent some time inside the Mercedes uh, hospitality uh, suite with uh, Total Wolf. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> Gunther Steyer uh, you know, admitted that he does um, know Michael Andretti or has met him, but he said he doesn't know him very well. Uh, but it's uh, it's funny because uh, you know, like, um, you know, Steiner, also not a man of uh, very many words in this case, and said when asked about a grudge uh, towards Andretti or his team, he said it's a uh, nothing uh, nothing personal what else do you i mean like you said mark it was a brilliant statement from from mohammed bin Suleim. what else can we we really add to that i mean i'll, I'll give you the floor if you want to yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just only, don't know what to say the right? only other takeaway i had from this article and our listeners know how i kind of flipped on this story over the course of the last year or so but there's an interesting there's an interesting paragraph in this article that I'll read quickly that I thought was very interesting and if I was Andretti I would take this very personally there's a, and I'll read it here Andretti can make a case that keeping him out of F1 is indeed personal three different people with direct knowledge of the conversations confirmed to AP Associated Press that F1 asked General Motors if it would partner with someone other than Andretti. So remember, Andretti what? went to F1. 
said, no, I want to join. On, they said, no, you need to bring more value. He literally went to Dearborn, Michigan. Is that Actually, I don't think that's where GM's based. He went to Detroit, Michigan, because of course that's where GM's headquartered. He went to Detroit, Michigan, managed to convince F GM to join their, their team, to join their bid. He went back to F1, said, I've got General Motors. F1 then went around Andretti and had separate private meetings with GM saying, no, bail on Andretti, come and support these existing teams. What a load of... <laughs> dude, isn't that crazy that these existing teams couldn't, didn't, or wouldn't reach out to GM to create this connection, this relationship to begin with. Andretti does it. Andretti spikes their interest, stimulates their interest, gets them to sign up to F1. And then F1 has the nerve to go around Andretti to try and get GM to partner with an existing team. I would take that so personally. Dude, that that is like bulletin board material, right? Oh, like, yeah. Like you're you're put you're you're putting that up in the office and saying Everyone, look at this. This is what we're up against. Let's prove these people wrong. Let's go there and absolutely crush them. And and I hope that when he actually gets on the grid, when they get a team, I hope they do exactly that because I love the you know like that that just you know honestly really wrinkles like rankles me. Like I, I get really, I, I I that just bugs me. You know it that is not cool, right? Like like Andretti's doing, you know I, I would. What, what I perceive to be an earnest job, you know, to, to try and do it the right way. And they're trying, it seems like they're trying like every single step of the way, no matter what this guy does to, to try and, you know, and, and hobble him and shackle him so he can't do anything. And that, that is just, you know, I mean, that that's peak formula one stuff right there that he goes he gets he gets a manufacturer interested and then you say they go and have all this backdoor stuff behind him and you know try to bring them in to <laughs> support existing teams man that just is so so wrong that is so not cool Anyways, we, we got to go on to this next article from F1.com from Lawrence Barreto because uh, you know, the the war that we talk about, like you know, like that stuff, you know, that before that just uh, it, it reeks of like old boys clubs and vested interests and things like that, which you, you know, you and I just and I, the majority I think of good upstanding people anywhere have no time for that kind of that that sort of stuff. But so yeah, anyway, let's let's talk about Lawrence's article, um, and this is the uh, the announcement that uh, Alpine are strengthening their their engine division uh, they've got uh, a new technical uh, director fellow by the name of uh, eric mignon who's going to to join the team so he's already started work uh, with alpine's uh, engine division at their base in uh, viri and uh, he was uh, head of department at ferrari in marinello so he's been there for the past uh, three and a half years he's been head of development uh, or head of department and chief engineer at mercedes high pp so their high performance powertrains and he's going to take over over the uh, day-to-day operations of the power unit division, he will report directly to uh, Bruno Femin, who is uh, responsible for all of uh, Alpine's motorsport activities across different uh, formulas, different types of uh, racing. And uh, anyways, uh, a spokesperson from Alpine told F1.com, we can confirm that Eric Maynard has joined the team as technical director of Viri and uh, will report directly to Bruno Femin. Short 
but sweet. It confirms everything that we need to know in uh, in about uh, 25 uh, <laughs> characters there. Anyways, uh, they go on to say that uh, he brings a wealth of experience, will oversee the development of the Alpine Power Unit with a specific focus on the 2026 regulations. You know, a very generic and not a very revealing uh little uh, press release there except for the last uh, couple of words uh, in the in the sentence uh, that says with a specific focus on the 2026 regulations yeah i mean obviously it hasn't been working uh, for them in this current formula and it's uh, been a bit of a shambles to say the least with the uh, the way that uh, you know <laughs> it's kind of been going all over the place and Laurent rossi is still somewhere at alpine or renault headquarters in the basement counting staples and thumbtacks and paper clips and things like that after you know party ways with uh otmar safnauer but uh yeah they, they have to look to, to the future don't you agree hammy i mean it just isn't working for them right now look to 26 focus on the project and see if you can do uh something uh, positive there so you're giving me the thumbs up uh, obviously you don't want to weigh in on this one the one i'm sure you want to weigh in on is the uh, the, the the next one and this should be a little bit of fun hammy you and I have talked for years about the sprint races, as has everyone else. We've been re- really, really passionate and really excited about it. We've also been very meh on it. And then we kind of like swing back and forth. But, you know, we kind of like sort of landed this dispassionate kind of like middle ground. We're no longer completely meh and we're not completely totally excited about it. But I think it's been clear, especially in the last couple of uh, sprint races that we've seen, that something has to be done. And uh, Jonathan Noble at motorsport.com has uh, put together an article talking about reverse grids, standalone titles, and other ideas to make uh, a Renault, a rebuild, whatever you want to call it, for, uh, well, I mean... Jonathan hits the nail on the head. He's uh, you know quite uh, precise about it. Though he leads off his article saying, after another boring race, sprint race at the United States Grand Prix, which had triggered a bit of surprising lack of interest from fans as sales tickets or uh, ticket sales took a hit, has prompted a belief that something needs to change. I you know I guess maybe that's what it is that the, the fact that that hit them in the pocketbook that this is a product that uh, that people aren't willing to you know splash out the money on. They want to put the uh, put the cash down for the you know, to go watch a sprint race now, now they're forced to deal with it right because i mean they've gone all in on making sprint race weekends a thing and it's obviously not working so now that uh it's it's hitting the bottom line it's like oh guys we got a problem we're, we're, we're not going home this weekend until we come home with a come up with a, a solution so what are the solutions mark is this salvageable do you think it's salvageable or is it just going to be a bit of uh, an anchor of something that i think is is identity crisis the right way to uh, to describe it I, I don't know if i would say it's an identity crisis i mean on the one hand there is because you're making material changes to the composition of the championship right that if you look at the historical historical context of F1 that this sprint race thing is new. I just, and on the one hand, I'm going to be super negative, man, but I I have to kind of readjust my understanding. And if, if this was a closer championship, meaning that the sprint races were consequential in some way, maybe I'd be more motivated, but as just a spectator, like not even a podcaster, man, like just as a spectator, like it's too much, dude. Like honestly, like an F1 weekend to me is qualifying for an hour on a Saturday and a Grand Prix for an hour and a half on a Sunday. I can make that work. 
sorry, I can make that work. It's just asking me to be available for for qualifying on a Friday is really tough. Ask me to be available for qualifying in a sprint race on Saturday and then the Grand Prix. It's it's an awful lot to ask of the fans, man. And the reality is it's not going to go anywhere because it all creates incremental value, meaning dollars for Liberty and dollars for the team. So whether they kind of cry and moan about it or not, they're going to continue to do it because it creates added value to the championship and more prize money to kind of spread around. And I don't have the answer to that. I think it, we've had a couple of years to sample this now, 21, 22, 23. My preference would be to kick it out. I'm done. But I think realistically, that's not going to happen. And and maybe it's good that F1 and the FIA at least have have a desire to continue to innovate and, and change. But at the same time, maybe that's part of the problem that the lack of ongoing consistency with respect to the format is also just it's people's heads might be spinning a little bit. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what are we doing this year? What are we doing this weekend? It's it's too much. And I know there's all kinds of conversations, reverse grids. I hate reverse grids. And I know there's conversations now about, hey, let's have two separate championships. Let's have a Grand Prix World Drivers Championship and let's have a Sprint Race World Drivers Championship that it's all just messy. And I think having now sampled this for three years, I'm out, I'm I'm done. But I think realistically, it's not going anywhere for the reasons that I mentioned. And hopefully they just get somewhere that is agreeable to all of us, man. But I don't know about you, but you're way busier than I am, man. Like, I don't know how you consume a sprint weekend. It's just so much. It's, uh, it's difficult. And you know, the, the one thing I'll never do is sit down and just watch like the extended highlights or the race in 30. If, uh, if I'm super busy, I mean, I have to sit down and digest the qualifying. I need to go through and watch the race lap by lap. Uh, and, and sometimes I'll watch a little bit of free practice, even though you know, you take take what you will from it. I mean, you know, it's not always a good indication. I mean, when the car, when the teams are playing around the setup with the cars and doing whatever they need to do, but the sprint race, I I can make time on a Friday night to sit down and watch the uh, to to watch the qualifying. And when when it's come to the sprint race itself, like what what I've typically done is I'll watch like the like the highlights for the for the sprint race qualifying, the shootouts, and then watch the watch the sprint race in its entirety. But it just uh, at some point it feels like a little bit of overload, and especially when there there isn't a lot to play for, you know what I mean? And it's 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 not going anywhere, like you say. Like they they've gone all in on this. They they've decided to make this a thing. But w- w- when it's not working and people aren't getting enthusiastic about it, it's like, well, what do you do? So they they have to do something. But let let's be honest here i mean the person that's going to be the the the, the drivers championship is probably going to be the person that has the best car unless they find some way or we have some we, we all converge on this point that by some bizarre coincidence just on their own the the teams become like uber you know competitive or like there there's this bizarre I don't know, level of, uh, of, of parody. I mean, otherwise I think, you know, in, in a normal situation, I mean, if you go back and look at everything right now, I mean, Max Verstappen walked away with the driver's championship uh, the, 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 this season. I mean, odds on if they established another championship for the sprint race, that would be Max Verstappen in 2023 as well. Like it just kind of seems like, you know, you, you've got a number one championship, which would be for the entire season. And this would be like, you know, a sprint race champion would be like the lesser of two. Like, I, I don't see anything really 
special in that, you know, like if, you know, I, I mean, if you could say get a team like Williams that were like super competitive in the, in the, in the sprint races and they were winning them and they had the opportunity to win that championship, but sure that maybe that would work, but I'm not convinced with the way that uh, the, the, the sport is now that we're going to see that all of a sudden that, you know, that this, you know, situation of uh, parody and these sprint races be really hotly contested. I just kind of think that's a little bit of uh, wishful thinking to be quite honest. Nothing further to add, I see. I see the, see the thumbs up. All right, uh, let's uh, go on to a couple more. Just uh, quick uh, news hits here before we get to the last break. And then uh, we've got some uh, some stuff coming up for the uh, for the uh, race preview. So this is uh, one here from uh, Race News uh, 365 uh, from uh, Ewan Gale that uh, that Max Verstappen has apparently uh, hired security to, uh, to, to watch his back at the Mexican uh, Grand Prix this year. And uh, Red Bull's... Uh, Motorsport advisor uh, Helmut Marco has actually confirmed that, and uh, well, it, you know, in, in the in the article here, there, there there's no pulling any punches. It says, "quote The Dutchman has a failed uh, has had a failed relationship, pardon me, with teammate and home favorite Sergio Perez during their time at the team together, with tensions spilling over near the end of last season. But those fissures have seemed to uh, re- been repaired at least publicly." Perez's fans have been far from impressed with his treatment from the team in the wake of a difficult run of form this term, end quote. Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of, I, I don't know. I mean, they would have something, uh, probably a better idea about this, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, right? I mean, it, it, I do we really draw that conclusion because Max and Sergio had a bit of a falling out and it was, it was pretty obvious that Max had kind of had tried to publicly shame or maybe not shame, but put uh, Sergio in his place and Perez into his place last year in uh, Brazil and the way that he's run, run away from the championship this year. And that Sergio has struggled at times, you know, quite a few times due to his own you know shortcomings that because of that, some, you know, very, very, passionate Sergio Perez fans are going to try and I don't beat up Max Verstappen. I don't seems a little bit of a stretch, but uh, obviously you got to be safe rather than sorry. And uh, I, I guess that's uh, the, the, the need for preventative action in that one. So uh, anyways, uh, Marco was, was asked uh, by F1 insider about uh, Max using body bodyguards of the, the Mexico city Grand Prix. He said, quote, Max actually doesn't want that. It's relaxed, but we have a responsibility for him. So we just want to be on the safe side End quote. So uh, there you go. Anyways, uh, we're going to take uh, one final break, come back at a couple of uh, news stories to talk about some F1 Academy stuff to talk about. And then we will talk about uh, the, the Mexican Grand Prix. We'll do that uh, starting in just a moment so please do not go away we will be right back end quotes end quote why did i throw it in there anyway so we'll be back in just a moment All right, welcome back. And sticking with the Red Bull, according to Red Bull team boss uh, Christian Horner, he is uh, very, very clear on the fact that Sergio Perez does not need to finish second in the Drivers' uh, Championship this year if he wants to keep his seat with the team in 2024. Uh, that is, um, I'm not sure really what to, to, to make about that, but uh, Christian Horner was asked uh, about uh, Perez and you know his position with the team and whether or not he might uh, keep or lose that seat and uh 
corner of the following to say, quote, there's no pre-mandate like that. Uh, we've never finished first and second in a championship. We finished first and third a few times with Mark Weber and Sebastian Vettel, and we finished it uh, last year with Max and Checo. So with this car, it would be fantastic in such a season that we've had if we could finish first and second. But there was uh, no pre-mandate on Checo that you have to finish second or you won't be driving the car next year. That has not been discussed. Um, then he goes on a little bit uh, further to say, we know Checo, if you see Checo's performances in the first part of the year, Bahrain was very, very tight with Max. The race in Saudi, it was a great race between the two of them, uh, pushing each other really hard with very fine margins. His race in Azerbaijan, winning with the sprint and the Grand Prix there. Uh, those kinds of uh, performances that we know he's capable of. I think it's just him getting back into that mind frame to get to the most out of him and get him back to those level of uh, performances and quote so uh even though that um he said there's no doubts about uh, perez staying with the the team into next year he said that uh, beyond 2024 he's pretty relaxed he's pretty open about uh, having that discussion and uh, and thinking about that he said quote we uh, certainly are not short of options of course we've got plenty of time to look at and evaluate that but there are so many factors involved end quote so there you go i i, I don't know mark um Sure, they haven't finished first and second before, but Sergio has struggled at times this year, man. Like, what what would you put into those uh, comments made by Christian Horner? I mean, I talked about this when you were away a little bit, that the reality is, like, what's Christian Horner going to say? That people are going to, again, this isn't him coming out and offering this to the media. This is clearly him responding to reporters asking questions. And they're softball questions because the answer is obvious. It's like, oh, no, no, he's under contract through 2024. His safe, his seat is safe. But we all know that that can change on a dime and probably will. And I, I would be surprised if he is racing for them at the beginning of next year. But maybe they're also just kind of biding their time because they want to see how Daniel looks over the last couple of races. And if Daniel looks fantastic and his sim performances are great during the offseason, you, know, you line them up for for winter testing in a Red Bull, the RB20. But but right now, I, I just think they're going to answer the the way that probably will create as little friction in the media as possible and just say, hey, security doesn't have to finish second. What I do want to speak about, Mr. Daly, and I'm going to jump ahead, is the next story, which is, because mm-hmm. this is one I'm, I'm super kind of enthused to talk about, but my buddy Randy sent me this one earlier today. And the article is entitled Red Bull Budget Cap Penalty Expires. And this is from RacingNews365.com. But if you remember Red Bull overspent in 2021 and they had a penalty, the penalty was a 10%, a minuscule 10% reduction in aerodynamic testing time. Uh, That penalty has now expired. So they can now go back to 100% aerodynamic testing or as much as as is allowed uh, as far as the sporting regulations are concerned, because the better you finish the constructors, the less testing time you have, but they're no longer being restricted based on this penalty. And of course, they were also fined $7 million, which wasn't deducted from its budget cap. And I just have to say, man, that given the fact that teams very well knew what the penalties were in the financial regulations because they helped craft the language, I just think that Red Bull's overspend in 2021 was was genius, that, that ultimately the money they overspent 
conceivably would have helped with the development of the 21 car, which won a World Drivers Championship. And some of that overspend probably contributed to the state of the current RB18 and the RB19, that it was actually an ingenious business decision. And I know I'm sounding super conspiracy theorist right now, but the reality is the cost of that overspend was a small fine of $7 million. And for a team that's as cash flush as Red Bull, that's nothing. That it absolutely made sense for them to overspend by whatever amount it was because the upside was potentially multiple championships, which they've won. And and the downside was, hey, maybe we don't win a couple of championships, but we're only going to eat a $7 million fine anyway. So ultimately, again, I, I complained that the financial regulations were toothless, but no other team could complain because they helped to craft them. But uh, to put your minds at ease, Red Bull fans, that penalty is over. You now have full access to all of the aerodynamic testing time that is allowed as per the sporting regulations. Yes, because they were so clearly hampered and and, and penalized uh, for that uh, overspend. But yeah, no, no, nothing further to, to to add to that one. It, it just uh, you know, what more they can they do to a car that's uh, already fundamentally perfect, though, right? Uh, it's just like how, how much will uh, will will be everybody be able to catch up to them? And you know, does that mean that now that they have uh, full um, abilities to? do that work that arrow work can they just uh, do what they need to do just to keep that maintain that gap or increase it between themselves and uh, and everyone else okay one final red bull story apparently that uh, they're they're going to move the new look or their the location for their uh, new wind tunnel uh, to a different uh, location it's going to be uh, you know near the, the the factory in milton Keynes, um slightly different uh, when they what they, uh, they they anticipated but it's uh, not going to be you know a, a huge uh, thing um so it's going to put the the facility in a, what they call a more suitable lo- location so the the permissions that they have for construction and all that it's no longer valid and has to be withdrawn and resubmitted so there's uh, going to be a, a little bit of a time delay in uh, doing that but uh, obviously they've got uh, good reason to do so anyways mark we're going to get away from that now because as you can tell from the the the, the music that's uh, coming playing in the background it is formula one academy compound it's to, it's it's there we're there right now it's it's a thing and there's some big stories to talk about this man week. so much going on right now so if you if you haven't heard the F1 Academy Championship is over. It finished at Circuit of the Americas last weekend. Congratulations, young Spanish driver Marta Garcia. She is the inaugural champion of F1 Academy for the 2023 championship. She finished on 278 points, followed by Lena Bueller uh, of Switzerland, who finished on 222, followed by friend of the show, Hamda Alcobesi, who finished on 207 points. And the good news just gets better and better for Marta Garcia. So I'm reading here from F1.com. F1 Academy has announced that the winner of its inaugural season, Marta Garcia, will receive a fully funded seat with Prema Racing for the 2024 Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine. F1 Academy, Prema, Pirelli will all provide a financial contribution towards the cost of her seat. It continues, this announcement underlines F1 Academy's commitment to prepare drivers for a higher level of competition and support their progress up the single-seater ladder. Each season, F1 Academy will work in close collaboration with the F1 Academy teams to support its winner in progressing up the motorsports ladder. So awesome story. Congratulations, Marta. You had a fantastic year, especially considering this is a spec series, and especially considering that you finished, what, 56 points up on the second place finisher 
Great job. You finished really strong and you deserve all the props in the world. A couple of other quick stories on the F1 Academy front. The 2024 calendar is out. And of course, the good news with 2024 is all the races will be broadcast and they will be following the F1 championship. So there will officially be a support series. Next year calendar looks like this. Saudi Arabia, Spain, Singapore, Abu Dhabi, Miami, the Netherlands, and Qatar. So the F1 Academy calendar for 2024 is out. If you want to check that out, another story, and this is another, I would say bittersweet story, but friend of the show, Megan Gilks, who's of course been on the show before. uh, She was interning at Aston Martin for the better part of the last year, while also simultaneously competing in the F1 Academy championship. She has, and she did a couple of weeks ago, announced that she is going to take on a full-time role at Aston Martin, which is amazing. She has now subsequently announced that she is retiring from from her racing career to focus exclusively being exclusively on being an engineer with a world-class premier Formula One team. So congratulations to Megan. You will certainly be missed, but it'll be amazing to watch your journey and the progress and the contributions you make at Aston Martin and the Silverstone-based team. And then finally, one last story here. If you didn't notice last week, Lewis did a ton of work on social media to promote F1 Academy. Last week at Coda, he met with the driver. Drivers. He put them on his Instagram story. He was all over the story, promoting the drivers, talking to the drivers, and just getting some FaceTime with the series and helping to promote it. Now, unfortunately, it seems that really he's the only one that has been doing so. And says Susie Wolf, who of course runs the F1 Academy, she's the managing director. She had this to say. It's a little bit sad that it is always Lewis. He is always the one coming over, offering support, and in the end, he also knows what it's like to be the only one, so he has an affinity. But there's going to be the 10 F1 teams with their own livery, so I expect a lot more interaction from the F1 teams generally next season because they have the platforms, they have the voices. That will be something which will be hugely helpful in our quest because this is not a short-term project. If we want to see success... It's going to be long-term. And of course, like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, next year, the F1 Academy is going to travel with the F1 series and F1 Academy teams will be wearing the liveries of F1 teams. So there'll be some synergy and some connection between the two of them. So yeah, that is the, uh, that is the end of the F1 Academy compound update this week, Mr. Daly. Well, that's great. Why don't we just uh, jump in really quickly then to a race preview for this uh, weekend? It is the, the 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 Mexican Grand Prix or the Mexico City Grand Prix at uh, Autodromo Omanos Rodriguez, uh, which uh, they've had uh, the the Mexican Grand Prix twenty three times in the past. First time was in nineteen sixty two. Most recently, last year, Max Verstappen is the most winningest driver at the Mexican Grand Prix with four victories. Uh, the most wins as constructors are Lotus and Red Bull, who have uh, four uh, victories each at uh, at the circus uh, circuit not rather than the circus pardon me uh anyways the circuit length is 4.304 kilometers or 2.67 miles race length is 305.354 kilometers or 189.738 miles uh last year uh lewis sorry pardon me max verstappen was on pole max's time was a 117.775 and the podium from last year's race was max verstappen first lewis hamilton second 15 seconds behind and then uh, sergio perez was third uh for for the race in red bull fastest lap of the race went to george russell he was setting a time of 120.153 
three. Anyways, Mark, what sort of things do we need to look out for here at uh, at the at the at the circuit? I'm struggling with yeah, words. Yeah, it's yeah. late. It's, I'm tired. I'm getting sleepy. We've you had know? a long month, but let me jump in here because this is. Yep. This is an exciting race, and I think there's a couple of things to consider. The first is that obviously Mexico City has crazy altitude, and that plays a, a not insignificant effect that one, the drivers don't necessarily have the opportunity to acclimatize to the altitude before the race. So obviously that has a significant impact on their conditioning, especially when you're piloting a Formula One car around a Formula One track. But the impact specifically that the altitude has is that it makes the aerodynamic features and surface of the cars far less far less effective, meaning the cars are generating far less downforce, which means that it's a little bit more slippery. And then that is actually compounded by the fact that this is one of the least abrasive surfaces on the track. It's and if you've ever jumped into this track on a sim, it's almost like driving on ice. It's very, very, very hard to understand the amount of grip that you have, even when you have heat in your tires. And I was listening to Nico Rosberg talk about this recently, but he was mentioning that it's it's very difficult to know when you're on the limit. And F1 drivers know their car, they know their tires, they know their suspensions, they know the amount of mechanical grip, and they typically know exactly where the limit is. And they drive to the limit because that's how you put in the fastest lap times possible. But his point is, on this track, you just don't know where that limit is. And all of a sudden, you exceed that limit, and the car just snaps, and you lose the car. So it's a very, very demanding track because of the altitude. It's very demanding because of the layout. And then it's also a track where the drivers have to be hyper-aware at all times because you're you're sensing for anything that will give you some indication of of where your grip is and when you're about to lose grip and where it's going to snap so it's also typically pretty warm. There's a lot of factors at play. Of course, it's been on the calendar now since 2015. Nico won the first race upon the return. And of course, you and I talk about this every year, but one of the coolest sections of the track is obviously where they navigate through that baseball stadium and when they come back to the baseball stadium for the podium ceremony. But I, I love having Mexico and Mexico City on the track. I think it's a great track. I think the fans are amazing. Obviously, they're going to give, and I think they give any driver who tries to speak a little bit of Spanish a lot of love. But Obviously, Sergio Perez gets a ton of love at this circuit, but I think the biggest piece is just how do teams how do teams navigate such a slippery track? And Pirelli obviously is going to help that because they're going to bring the three softest compound tires available. Uh, and this weekend, it looks like it's going to be warm. It's going to be a little bit hot on Sunday. And it should be completely dry, as I think we would typically expect from a Mexican Grand Prix at Mexico City at the end of November. But I think those are really the big things to look out for. And then I think from a storyline perspective, is we said this last week about Lewis's can he bounce back and last week he finished P2 and obviously that was stripped away because the team put him in a bad position because of the disqualification although we could argue that maybe a lot more cars should have been disqualified but it'll be interesting to see how Lewis bounces back and how Mercedes bounces back and it'll be interesting to see how that race for P2 continues although I think after last weekend Sergio pretty much has that locked up but I'll be excited to see how Mercedes continues to progress and it 
it feels like last weekend that Aston Martin has found their way out of the dark, how they found their way out of the fog, that they've overcome some of the challenges that they've had this year, which I think they've now attributed to bad data that they were getting out of the sim, which sent them on the wrong developmental path. But looks like they've unwound some of that. So I think for me, like, hey, how does McLaren look? Can Aston Martin bounce back? Can Lance Stroll score a second straight points finish for, I think, just the second time this year? There's some interesting storylines. And then the big relief for me is it's not a sprint weekend, so I can just settle in knowing I've got qualifying on Saturday and I've got a great Grand Prix to watch during the day, <laughs> during the day on, on Sunday. So those are some of the things yep. I'll be looking for, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, while you're talking there, I looked up the, the 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 weather forecast for Mexico City. So both Saturday and Sunday, we're looking at temperatures about 75, 76 degrees Fahrenheit uh, for a high 57 degrees. What does low. that mean in so that trans- Canada, European talk? It- in Canada and everywhere else in the world, it'll be 24 Celsius Ooh, for a nice. high and about 14 degrees of low. So, you know, pr- pretty much an ideal temperature, not too hot, not 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 too cold. It's uh, right in that uh, very, very uh, comfor- comfortable zone there. Uh, another thing, too, that's uh, really great about uh, this track is that very, very long straight. When you come through the uh, the stadium section there, you come back to start, finish, very, very long run down into that very sharp uh, right-hander at turn one. And that's always, uh, you know, something to keep a look uh, look out for. I mean, that is a good uh, overtaking point uh, throughout the race, but also uh, very, very exciting in the in the, in the first couple of laps, especially lap one, after they all kind of do the bunch starts uh, and they pull away from start finish. And uh, there, there's somebody always tries something there uh, each and every year, and then uh, until they at least uh, kind of like uh, settle down a little bit after several laps, and then they kind of get into the into the groove. So tr- certainly turns one, two, and three, we can see some things there. And then also, I guess even to the turns four and five, I think we've seen some some uh, action overtaking there in the past as well. So, yeah, I mean, you make a, a number of uh, really good points there, Mark. Um, so, I mean, the weather's going to be nice. Like you say, it's going to be a, a very slippery track, um, you know, despite having all the championships uh, wrapped up here, Red Bull and Max uh, just uh, continue to romp each and every weekend. Um, but there are definitely d- different things uh, to look at. We talked about a couple of different points uh, there. You know, look at the uh, look, look at the Drivers' Championship. Perhaps uh, Sergio does have that uh, that second place uh, sewn up mark. Uh, maybe Lewis Hamilton can't catch him now. Well, we'll wait and see. But uh, also in the Constructors, uh, there's some interesting things uh, to look at as well. I mean, the, the, obviously that's not what we're, we, we, we've all seen signed up for we wanted to see the championship be a nail biter weekend and weekend in weekend out right uh, through to the very last uh, race of the season unfortunately it's not going to happen that way this year but there are some other good uh, things to watch and plus it's just fun to watch formula one cars do what they do even though that uh, we know that the championship has uh, been uh, been wrapped up so anyway so take it for what it's worth enjoy it uh, and then we'll be back on sunday to talk about it mark before we wrap it up any closing thoughts any closing one requests come or to anything the watch all? party that'll be fun you get to meet of course both of us which is super cool and then finally if you like what we do please give us a rating on spotify and a rating review on apple it means the world to both of us 
Absolutely. If you want to get in touch, send us uh, an email at scooterf1pod at gmail.com. Still slide into our DMs on X at scooterf1pod if we do uh, you know, check them out and respond to everyone. And that is it. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the race. Mark and I will be back on Sunday night to wrap it up. And then that'll leave us with, what, three races to go after that? Brazil uh, and then Yas Marina. Which one am I... What, what am I forgetting in there? Or, or, or is that it? There's, there's going to be one more. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> I put you on the spot. We've already closed all our, our browsers here. Anyways, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back uh, very soon to talk about uh, that race, to wrap it all up. And until then, enjoy your weekend and bye for now.